This week on Red Dirt America, I talk with Joshua Ray Walker. He started his life as a musician gigging with touring bands in high school, and he's seen a lot in his 20-something years. That hard-earned wisdom shines through with his lyrics. And his songs will make you think, cry, and even laugh, or sometimes all three at once. And what's amazing, in just three short years, he's put out three full albums. Yeah, I guess uh, from first release to now, that's that's true. But I I played probably oh I don't even know two or three thousand shows over the last eleven years. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dust America with Chuck Taylor. Finally, man, this seems like forever trying to get this thing to work. How have you been? I've been good. How have you been? Busy. I because I I've seen that man. You got to do. Uh, let's just get into it. You you got to do the national anthem for the Formula One race just a few weeks ago. I did. That was a very surreal uh, and pretty terrifying experience. But you got to be on national TV, man. That's such great exposure. Yeah, ninety-three million people around the world. How does that feel? I mean, that's probably your biggest performance ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe ever to be. It's only a few million less than the Super Bowl. So um, it was was wild. There were 400,000 people there in person. So uh, definitely the largest audience I've ever been in front of by far. So, so who set that up? How did, how did that happen? How did you come to get picked to sing the national anthem for that? Uh, my manager, basically. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he knows the guy who does the programming there and they pitched me and, uh, I feel like initially the answer was probably no, uh, cause it doesn't really make sense. And then the guy who does the programming there just stuck with it and convinced everyone it was a good idea. And, uh, you know, uh, they, I didn't show them my version of the national anthem until sound check the night before I did it, and they were tense, and I was tense, and it was it was a interesting thing. The the producer of Formula One uh, came up to me and basically said, "I I can't screw it up. You know, the whole opening ceremony hinges on me singing the song correctly in the correct amount of time and everything." And uh, I was like, "Thanks, that's really what I." <laughs> Needed to hear right now. <laughs> right, right. No pressure, but you you can't screw this up. You can't pull a uh, Roseanne Barr. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know it went fine. You know, I think I sang it okay, and I didn't screw up the words too bad. So you know, what do you, what more can you ask for when you're singing in front of that many people? Really. Well, the opportunity to do that, I don't think it's going to be your last time to sing in front of that many people. I mean. So many people uh, are really getting into you with just this third album, three albums in three years. You you started with Wish You Were Here, then Glad You Made It. Now the latest album came out this year. See you next time. Uh, Matt, it, it, it's such a, a great body of work in three years. Thank you. I mean, there's a long time coming, a lot of writing, a lot of planning. Um, before the actual recording and releasing of the records. So um, I couldn't be more happy with the way that it all 
came together. I had the idea in my head and I feel like State Fair Records and John Pedigo and my band have all really just, um, you know, they trusted me and we all made it together and we all got it out despite a pandemic and, you know, the music industry being at the state it is right now, we just uh, plowed through and I really can't believe we got three records out in three years. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty unheard of unless you're somebody like Jim Lauderdale or Willie Nelson, because those are the only two guys that work that hard. Yeah, well, I do enjoy working hard. I like being busy. So let's let's talk a little bit about this album. See you next time. Um, is is very thematic, right? It's 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 set in a bar, right? At closing time. Correct. Yeah. And these are all the characters that you see in the bar, and, and the first song that came out of the album. Uh, sexy after dark, man. It's country through and through, but it's not country the way everybody does country. And it, it just—I don't know what it is about the song, but it's just so mesmerizing. It gets into your head, and you can't get it out. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it is country uh, in the way that you know, like "Slow Hand" by Conway Twitty, or you know, one of those songs is country. Um, it was my attempt at one of those soulful, um, throwback country, country songs. Um, and I love the way it turned out. It almost, I almost didn't even show it to the band. I thought it was too far out of the wheelhouse. And then I showed it to them in the studio and we all agreed immediately that we needed to cut it. So I'm glad that we did. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are glad you did when that song first dropped. And I, I think I sent you. Uh, sent you the exact quote, but a good friend of mine uh, that I went to college with, Odie Blackman, who has written hits for George Strait, Leanne Womack, uh, Gary Allen, and many others, uh, heard that song and he posted about it. And he, and he talked about one of the best things that he's heard out of anybody in years. Wow. That's uh, quite the endorsement. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, but when you have somebody of that caliber who, who's writing for those big people, uh, talk about that. that that's got to feel pretty good. It does. Um, that's one of the things I set out to do with these records is let people know that I'm a songwriter. And I really saw myself as a performer second, songwriter first. And have I've had to figure out how to be a performer, you know, through the promotion of these three records. But um, I just... I wanted to be respected as a songwriter and I've, I feel like I've garnered a lot of that um, respect sooner than I even anticipated. And I'm just really grateful that um, people like what I'm doing. Yeah. Most yeah. people, you know, overnight success for most people is a decade or two. You did it right. in three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, from first release to now that's, that's true, but I, I played probably Oh, I don't even know. Two or 3,000 shows over the last 11 years leading up to these records coming out. Yeah, and, and not, on, not only have you played on your own, but, uh, of course, uh, Ottoman Turks, uh, you, you've That's done right. that, right? And you, you, it's completely different from what you do as yourself. And then, Correct, yeah. Then you, you have another side to you that I just learned about last year. Uh, during um, an event that the radio station that I work for put on, 
uh, called Devil Sooty Brother, which is a completely different genre than than the other two. Yeah, Appalachian folk, those tight, like Everly Brothers, Lubin Brothers harmonies. Um, Nathan Wells from Ottoman Turks and I grew up on that music, and there just aren't that many people playing it in their 20s. And we've bonded over that music the last 10 years. And um, that's another thing that we do. And I'm sure at some point, State Fair Records will probably put out a record of, <laughs> of that music as well. Um, yeah, like I said, I like to stay busy. So I, I got my, I got a lot of irons in the fire. Well, here's the question then you, you've got, you've got your solo project, you're writing, you're touring, you've got the stuff with Ottoman Turks. You got the Devil Sooty Brother stuff. When do you find time for Joshua Ray Walker for yourself? Well, you know, I just turned, well, I say I just turned 30. I turned 30 almost a year ago. I'm about to turn 31 here in a few days. And uh, I'm just not all that worried about uh, finding time for myself. All this music that I play, I really, you know, I love to do it. So. Uh, I just try to maximize every minute that I can. And, um, you know, like this weekend, uh, I'm going out to meet Charlie Crockett and I got a 24 hour drive ahead of me. John Pettigrew's going to hop in the car and go with me uh, to help split driving. And instead of starting on Saturday and resting, I'm going to go hang out at his show on Sunday and then drive 24 hours straight the charlie gig and load in there um so i make time for myself in all the spaces where i should be sleeping probably man that's uh, that's a lot of life lived in a short time i'm trying my best you only get one i'm trying to get the most out of it do you think that that gives you uh, and 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 maybe i'm just maybe i'm just guessing here but gives you more time to, to write more songs because you li- you're living more life. So you get more inspiration. Definitely. If I don't go live and I don't, you know, take the adventurous route and I don't do those things, then I wouldn't have any material to write about. So I got to pack as much living as I can uh, into life while I'm on the road or, you know, whatever I'm doing so that I have something to write about. Let's get to know Joshua Ray Walker just a little bit better, okay? I've got a few questions for you. These are, don't think too hard about these questions, okay? All right. Would you rather be the most popular kid in school or the smartest kid in school? Smartest. Smartest, why? Uh, I feel like that's better for long-term success. (laughs) Right, okay. How about uh, the funniest place you've ever fallen asleep? Oh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a good sleeper. I can fall asleep anywhere. Um, I feel like one that's funny because there's a picture of it. Um, I fell asleep on a flatbed golf cart at State Fair a few years ago. I took a nap out behind like the automobile building. Uh, and Isaiah Evans from the 40 Acre Mule. <laughs> snapped a picture of it and put it up on the internet. So speaking of pictures, uh, I was there, uh, this past year when you got to meet Ray Wiley Hubbard for the first time, he came over 
And I snapped a picture of the two of you talking. Uh, right. And he, he came over and said that he was a fan of your music and, and dug what he heard from you. That had to be kind of cool because he's one of the, uh, I, I, I would say, one of the big guys in our scene. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I grew up listening to him and, um, you know, we had a lot of missed encounters where it's like we'd be on the same festival or I'd go eat at a restaurant 10 minutes after he left, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so I'd always been, I, there were probably a dozen times i have been really close to meeting him, but never got to meet him. Uh, and I was eyeballing him from across the the backstage area he had just gotten out of his van i was considering going and saying hi to him but i didn't want to bother him and then he just he beelined right for me and introduced himself and that was i mean it's you know it was really amazing um especially considering i was i wouldn't say i was too nervous but i, I didn't want to i i felt like i was going to bother him if i went and said hello so it was really awesome that he came over and said hello to me yeah, it, it was it was a cool moment. I was glad to be able to capture that that moment when you guys were talking because it's like uh, it's it's like one of the old legends passing on knowledge to one of the up and comers, and and that's kind of how I felt about it. You know, it's 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 the passing of the torch almost. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, but I, the picture turned out great too. It's a really great picture. Holidays are coming up. What is the weirdest tradition your family has? Um, trying to think. I mean, now I'd say one of the weirdest traditions is that we don't, we've all agreed to not put up decorations. And it's not because we don't like Christmas, just like we're all, we're, busy and so it's like if, if everyone agrees not to put up decorations then no one's disappointed that there aren't decor decorations it's not like we're not celebrating christmas or whatever it's just a little bit of the work is taken out of it which is nice um and then the one that sticks with me like the tradition growing up that i love so much is i have a big italian side of my family and growing up christmas eve was always the the big italian dinner uh day so like we go over early and eat pastries and coffee and then antipasta would come out and then you know the women in the family had been making sauce for six or eight hours and we'd all eat this giant pasta dinner together and then need to take a nap so having that big italian christmas dinner um was a part of my childhood that i say you not your typical Texan Christmas that I look back on pretty fondly. Yeah. Cause, cause in Texas it's either tamales or, or uh, deep fried Turkey, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> that's about, that's about all you get here. Or maybe, maybe a honey baked ham. You can throw that in as well. Sure. Yeah. If you're in East Texas, you're probably eating the honey baked ham. So here, here's a question back when you used to do decorations, Okay. Right. And this is a big sticking point with me. So I want to see where you stand on this. When do the decorations go up? I say not until after you had your turkey on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, at the earliest Black Friday. Yeah. Um, the, the Friday after Thanksgiving. I, 
I'll say if I see if I see Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, it bothers me. Amen. Amen. If I hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving, it also bothers me. Speaking of, when can we look forward to a Joshua Ray Walker Christmas tune? Uh, maybe this year. Maybe this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's a possibility. I'm I'm currently working on it. Awesome. That that is awesome news. Something else that I know you do on the side is you've got your your own clothing line for uh for bigger guys. Yeah, high, wide, and handsome, the big and tall line. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. I mean, here's a chance to uh here's a chance to get it out there in the world and promote it. Uh well it's uh you know I saw a need for um you know, larger t-shirts in this Texas country scene. There are a lot of big dudes that go out to country shows and being a, a big man myself, I get asked by guys if I have um, four or five, six X shirts. And uh, I do, as I don't like carrying shirts that I can't wear. So I try to always have designs that go all the way up to a six X. Um, and I just realized, you know, more than just shirts that have my name on it, that's just been the, uh, I saw a need there. So I started making Texas centric shirt designs that go up to a six XL, um, travel by gravel, helped me, uh, put that together. And we launched it during the pandemic and we sold quite a few shirts. Um, and eventually I want to branch out into other garments as well, you know, uh, I have a pretty flamboyant sense of style and it's really hard to find anything unique in a big and tall size. Um, a lot of times I think designers try to give you a lot of neutral tones, earth tones, that sort of thing. Like you're going to hide, you know, that someone's overweight by putting them in a neutral color, which is just silly. Uh, it's just the same size guy in a big Navy shirt or whatever. So, um, you know, eventually I want to branch out and, you know, give bigger guys a chance to wear something with a little more personality. Yeah. And I never would have guessed from your album covers that you had a flamboyant sense of style whatsoever, or from, from seeing <laughs> you at any of the shows that we've, we've, we've been at together. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do wear it on my sleeve. Literally. <laughs> you do indeed, man. Uh, I, I want to wrap this up with, uh, with one final question, man. And, and, you, you know, I always, uh, appreciate talking to you. So this is something I, I really, really, truly want to know. And this is what song changed your life? What song changed my life? Yeah. <clears throat> Out of any song ever. Any song ever. It could be something that ins first inspired you to become an artist. It could be maybe one of your own songs that, uh, that maybe did so well that it changed your life. What's just whatever song changed your life? Um, can it be two songs that I heard back to back? Sure. Well, I actually heard them on this radio station um, when I was in high school. Uh, my friend, I had been playing in rock bands all through high school, and my drummer had gotten back into country music. And he was trying to get me to listen to the range and uh, I wasn't having it. My, I thought country music was 
for my parents and my grandparents and I wanted to listen to and play angsty teen rock music and um he you know we were in the cab of his truck and he turned it on and I was like okay I'll give it a shot and I heard uh she left me for Jesus the Hayes Carl song yeah and uh it clicked that you know all the reasons I didn't like country music the cliches of oh my dog died and she left me and my truck and my beer and whatever um there were writers out there who knew that those were tropes and they were writing them in a tongue-in-cheek way um anyway i just i found the humor in that song and it kind of made everything click and i also just didn't listen to lyrics that much at that age i was 17 i guess and then uh the next song up was Dublin Blues by Guy Clark. Mm. And um, I was really, you know, intently listening to the lyrics. And I'd never had a song take me somewhere um, where the lyrics painted a picture, you know, so vivid that you really, you could feel it and taste it, the whole thing. Um, And Dublin Blues really did that for me. And it just sent me down a rabbit hole listening to texas songwriters um you know guy clark led me to towns which led me to blaze foley and and billy joe shaver and you know all these guys and uh uh, willie of course and uh it just really opened my eyes to the possibility of lyrical songwriting and then it was maybe a year later i started writing my own songs um and it was all kind of hinged on that moment. And and Guy Clark and Hayes Carl, I mean, those those are guys who write that. They can paint pictures with words. And it's 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 funny that you would choose them and then Towns and 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 Billy Joe and and Blaze and and Willie to mention because they all do that same kind of thing. And you are in that same vein when you listen you listen to these albums. You can close your eyes and you can you can see the words that you're singing and and so you you have that same gift and uh, I look forward to hearing more from you over the years and many more years to come. Thanks, I can't wait to keep making more music, brother. It is always is always good to talk to you, and uh, I, I can't wait can't wait till we get to see you again at another show. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Of course. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode of Red Dirt America, make sure you like and subscribe so you won't miss any more episodes. And if you'd like to, leave a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll see you down the road.